Hi there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you've joined the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting, but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you don't have a sewing machine, have no idea how much fabric you need, or you're just trying to figure out where the heck to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode 41 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. I cannot wait to talk about all the topics today. We will be going over National Quilting Month, IG Quilt Fest, and fabric preparation. But first, a quick announcement. Enrollment for the Modern Quilters Academy is closing this Friday, March 5th. 2021 will be the last day that you can enroll in the Modern Quilters Academy for uh, quite a few months, I'm going to say. Have you been wanting to learn to quilt, but you aren't quite sure where to begin? Or maybe you have tried and quit because you just keep getting stuck? Join the Modern Quilters Academy to learn my tried and true methods that will result in you making your first of many beautiful quilts while learning more than just how to sew a straight line. If you want to learn more, visit themodernquilterscircle.com slash MQA enroll. Okay guys, let's get sewing. So first up, let's chat about National Quilting Month. So March is National Quilting Month. Do you ever wonder like where these things come from? Like, I feel like if I spoke to my Alexa right now and I'd be like, what day is today? Alexa would be like, it's national one and a half foot long hot dog day. Like something totally ridiculous. It makes no sense. Um, But I can get down with this. So uh, first, a little backstory about what it is. And then I will give you some things to expect and what you should look for. Because National Quilting Month is actually pretty cool. So, um... First of all, the National Quilting Association began sponsoring a National Quilting Day uh, back in 1991, and that National Quilting Day is the third um, Saturday of March. And so that is how this kind of all started, and the beast kind of grew from there, um, mostly because everyone was like, ooh, that's fun. I could get on that because, like, it's a lot of fun, and we're quilters, and we'll use any excuse to make a new quilt or celebrate or decorate in some way. It's, like, what we do. That It's just who we are. So that's kind of where it stemmed from, them designating the third Saturday of March as National Quilting Day, and then it grew to end up being the whole of March. Now, what you can kind of expect during National Quilting Month Uh, There's a lot of coolness, not going to lie. So first, there are a ton of big brands that participate in National Quilting Month. So everybody from individual fabric companies to pattern designers to the big box fabric stores all participate. And for the most part, it can be an excuse for them to have a sale, which 
as avid consumers. And let's be real, if one thing there is in the quilting world is quilters are consumers, where we do a craft that constantly needs to be resupplied. So that's huge, all of the sales that are out there. There's also prize giveaways. I love a good prize giveaway. Um, I think I've seen already, uh, and it's day one when I'm recording this, um, of National Quilting Month. I saw a prize pack that was co-sponsored by Clover, and it had like $4,000 worth of quilting supplies in it. And it's just a, a raffle, which pretty darn cool. Um, and there's so many things like that. I've seen sewing machine companies putting their sewing machines on sales for the month of March. Uh, so it's definitely if something where if you're looking to buy supplies or tools or even a sewing machine, this is a good time to look into it. Um, you'll see that quilt instructors are opening their doors, like me, currently. Doors are open for the Modern Quilters Academy. It's quilting month. I love it. Love it. Um, and I want all of you to love it too. So that is something else that's going on. So another part of National Quilting Month is that um, it's really just a great time to learn about quilting. Uh, so obviously all these big brands are capitalizing on the fact that we're all talking about the same thing by having sales and doing raffles and giveaways. And another great thing is that they are creating bonus episodes of their Facebook and Instagram videos, of their YouTube shows on their YouTube channels. There are new um, tutorial packed emails going out every day. Um, so this is this is the time. If you are looking to go down a rabbit hole, because let's be real, we all go down an internet rabbit hole at least once a week. And if I get emails saying that I'm the only one, I'm going to be really, really sad, mostly because I can just think of how much of my time I've wasted. But a quilting internet rabbit hole, that's amazing, guys. So if you haven't done your Googling or poking around or visiting of your favorite uh, designers or quilt pattern creators, this is the time to do it for sure. Like, go do it. Also, in the next couple of weeks, I have a premonition and by premonition, I know the schedule. So it will happen. Uh, there's going to be quite a few really cool fabric lines that are dropping out there. So keep an eye out. I love me a new fabric line. Um, again, consumer. Uh, so keep that in mind. But I just want to share that with you in case you weren't aware of what National Quilter Month is and the fact that it's this month. It's every single March. Go check it out. Okay, another thing, and this kind of stems off of National Quilters Month, uh, is IG Quilt Fest. Uh, I'm obsessed with IG Quilt Fest. I'm participating in IG Quilt Fest. Uh, you can follow it by following the hashtags on Instagram, either IG Quilt Fest or IG Quilt Fest 2021 uh, to follow it. 
And we have been provided, and by we, it's, you know, quilters in the industry. I mean, you can participate. It's anybody who is a quilter and would like to participate totally can. Uh, There are quite a few quilting instructors, designers, um, and uh, quilt shop owners participating in IG Quilt Fest, which is why it's a really fun uh, hashtag to follow. It's going on for all of March. And we have been provided with a list of prompts to post about every single day. So you will get to, you know, quote unquote, meet industry professionals, uh, people like me who have podcasts and do quilting education. You will get to meet different fabric designers. You will get to meet different uh, quilt pattern uh, designers, um, quilt shop owners. I mean, the sky's the limit of all these people that you're meeting. And some of the prompts uh, are giving you sneak peeks inside of our businesses. Some of the prompts are uh, giving you sneak peeks in how we kind of quilt. Like when we get to like put the business to the side and actually get down to enjoying being at our sewing machine, kind of the stuff that we do. Um, spoiler alert, one of the days is about snacks. So you're obviously going to see me with my Oreos, uh, for those of you who know me well. Um, so it's just, it's a really good time. It's fun. Um, and it's one of those things I definitely suggest you just heading over to Instagram, type in IG quilts, quilt fest 2021, and then just click follow on that hashtag. So it comes up in your feed. Um, but it's, it's amazing. Uh, I think that it's one of those wonderful ways to get introduced to, uh, new people in the industry because it's always kind of amazing to see who you connect with. Uh, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I, I've kind of enjoyed it. So now that I have gotten all of that out of the way, let's talk about fabric preparation. I know, right? I'm like, oh, community this. Oh, fun that. Oh, go check this out. Now let's talk about doing things the right way. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so fabric preparation. Now, there are some of these things that are absolute 100% musts, and there are some things that are like, oh, interesting. That's another step I never thought I was going to have to do. Um, so I will start right off the bat with, do you wash or not wash your fabrics? I know, I know, I know, I know. So here's the thing. This will vary greatly on who you are, what you buy, how you use it, um, and really your overall level of daredevilness and maybe even devil may careness. I know. So I will say I personally teach all of my students about the different types of fabric out there. And when I say different types of fabric, I'm not necessarily talking about broadcloth versus linen versus uh, quilter's cotton. I'm actually talking about the 
teaching them about the length of cotton fiber and what happens when you use longer stable um, quilts, uh, longer stable thread. Uh, and that is kind of what leans itself towards more expensive quilters cotton and more cost effective uh, quilters cotton. I hate saying like, cheap or fancy or nice or bad or any of that stuff because I know that everybody's in a different situation. And so instead of labeling things one way or another, I want you guys to know how to treat it to get the best out of it. And that being said, there are going to be some things that are always just nicer. It is what it is. Um, Just like with anything in life, There are leather jackets that feel like butter, and there are ones that feel borderline like plastic burlap. It happens. Uh, But I don't think there's that big of a disparity. But anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole, as you know I always do. So, wash or don't wash. Most fabrics that you purchase at your local quilt shop will not need to be washed before you use it. Um, and so the reason why I say that is that what we're really worrying about is two factors, bleeding and shrinking. Those are the two things that can really mess up a quilt. Uh, shrinking because once it shrinks and you've already stitched, you'll get puckers and bleeding, I think is pretty straightforward. Uh, you don't want your darker colors to run onto the lighter colors, especially when you're using a nice, crisp, bright white background. Um, and now shrinkage really should not happen at, from fabric from your local quilt shop. It doesn't necessarily always happen from your bargain discount stores either, but it does happen more often from fabric from those stores. So keep that in mind. Uh, shorter staple lengths mean that it will tend to have some more variation. Um, That being said, as far as bleed goes, all fabric can bleed. In some ways, you would kind of expect some of the higher end fabrics with the richer colors to, or richer dye process colors to have more bleed. I genuinely haven't really dealt with bleed. I've been really, really lucky. Um, but I do know that there are some some colors that just scare the bejesus out of me. So if I've got a maroon or a really bright or navy blue, um, I'm, I'm going to use a color catcher and I'm going to wash those, those fabrics. Um, The big thing with wash or don't wash is that what you do to one fabric, you do to all fabric. Uh, So let's say you just bring home a fat quarter, uh, no, let me not say fat quarter bundle because it's not going to be that, but you bring home a yard of every fabric in a collection and there's a lot of low volume prints, a lot of pretty grays and lavenders. And then there's this one gorgeous navy background fabric. Um, and you want to wash it because you're scared of the bleed. I would wash all of them. And I know that sounds like so much work, but do it. 
because they'll play nicely together because even if there's only a moderate, like moderate to no shrinkage, there will be no subsequent shrinkage out of that one that you washed and all the rest might shrink just a hair. And depending on the stitch length that you're using while you're piecing, that hair's breadth of shrinkage could be the difference between a beautiful flat lane quilt and puckering galore. Um, so really, really keep that in mind. Uh, just kind of do it all. So that's kind of my thing on uh, wash or don't wash. For those of you who join me in the Modern Quilters Academy, you know I go in depth over preparing fabric. Like I go hard in the paint because it's important. Um, And it is something that you will do at every stage of your quilting. Um, It's not like a crutch that you'll do now and then it'll go away when you're a better quilter. Uh, No, you're going to do it all the time. So wash or don't wash. Um, and I also, earlier I said, you know, see what a daredevil you are. I mean, you can go for it. There have been times where I am in a pinch and the last thing I need is to waste a day washing my fabrics. And I know that sounds like, oh, really a day? But here's the thing. I've got three kids under the age of six, which means I would put all, I would get home from the fabric shop. I would put all the fabric in the washing machine that bad boy would be going for like an hour and a half. Kid one will have terrorized kid two. Kid two will have terrorized kid three. Kid three will have drawn on the walls. It'll be time to feed them. At some point in all of this craziness, the dinger have gone off on my washing machine, but I don't have time to go down there. Another hour will have gone past. I go down there. I move it to the dryer. You see where I'm going with this. It does tend to become an all-day thing, especially depending on the amount of fabric. Um, And my husband would be very happy to uh, let you all know, I don't usually come home from the fabric store with a yard of fabric, if you know what I mean. So it could be quite a bit of pressing and whatnot. So kind of keep that in mind. Again, rambling, but it's who I am and it's why you listen. Okay, so next up, starch or don't starch? Okay, so when I first started quilting and I like ran into the starch game thing, I kind of immediately thought about my dad because my dad starches his dress shirts within an inch of their lives. Those things like stand up on their own. It's ridiculous. I used to get so mad at him when I was younger because I would go to iron something and I would get like white flakes all over my shirt because he used so much starch that it would gunk up the iron. Um, And it's why to this day I use two different irons, a starch iron and a regular iron because I have PTSD from my iron. Um, I feel like he knows this already, but if not, um, I'd be interested to hear if he actually... uh, has an opinion on this. I guess I'll find out at Sunday dinner. Anyway, so back to the starch thing. Uh, But it's really not only for that. So um, here's why we starch in the first place. It stiffens up fabric and it makes it easier for you to work with it while you're quilting, especially 
when you're sewing more intricate or complex patterns. Um, some quilters swear by it. Some never use it. Now, have you ever used a batik? Beautiful, rich colors. The fabric itself is stiffer. It's more stiff than your uh, standard quilter's cotton. Um, and it's a delight to sew with as far as staying where it's supposed to stay. It doesn't get wiggly on you. Um, it, it really lines up well when you line up your edges. It stays there. It's beautiful. That's kind of what starch does. Starch kind of makes everything, and depending on how you starch uh, or how much you starch, it kind of can make everything move towards feeling like a batik, which is really, really nice. So, like I said, some swear by starching and some don't at all. I know that um, the owner of the Fat Quarter Shop, her name escapes me right now. She's adorable. She's hilarious. Blonde hair, glasses. I watch her all the time, which is why it's killing me that I can't think of her name at the moment. But she starches everything. Like, starches everything. Um, and I will say that I starch sometimes. Really, it will depend on how intricate the pattern that I'm doing is going to turn out. Uh, so bigger piece patterns or, you know, less fussy I'm not usually going to starch because it does take more time. It's another process. Um, so what I have seen some people do for starching, I've seen it done two different ways. Some starchers wash their clothes, iron it, spray it down, and iron it, and then leave it to hang because you can't fold it up because Folded clothes with, with starch in it will get super creasy. Okay. So, there's that. Also, I have seen people buy starch concentrate, mix it up in a big bucket, dunk their fabric in it, pull it out, and let it air dry, and then iron it. That usually comes up depending on, on the ratio as well. If you're just putting a cap in, cap full into the water bucket, it's not going to be that much. But I've seen some people do like a one-to-one -one ratio, which like blows my mind because like that stuff could like not only stand up on its own, but like walk out the door as well from, from the rigidity of it. Um, but that's another way to do it. Uh, either way, both methods are an additional time commitment. So if you're on the fence from even wanting to take time to uh, pre-wash, I'm going to say starching is probably not for you. Unless you are somebody who is going to be doing a lot of intricate piecing and then you might find that it's just worth it. Uh, so keep that in mind. Okay, so we've gone wash or don't wash. Starch or don't starch. And last, which kind of isn't even another step because I've already spoken about it in both previous options, is ironing. We need to iron everything. 
Iron, 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 iron. And honestly, ironing has come up a lot in my brain lately because I'm doing a lot of English paper piecing. I know I've spoken in previous episodes about how that's like my new technique of the year is English paper piecing. And I got to say, I'm obsessed with it, mostly because it means I get to sew even more. Um, I like my husband and I like to hang out with him in the evenings once all the kids are asleep. And so we'll sit together in the living room chatting and it's nice to have something that I can still keep my hands busy with and like feel like I'm working on something while still um, hanging out with him. Cause it's real hard to have a conversation with my sewing with my sewing machine is just buzzing away. Um, even though I do do make him sit next to me sometimes when I do that too, but I like him and he likes me. So he does it. Okay, guys. So ironing. English paper piecing. I've been thinking about it a lot because I don't iron for English paper piecing. I know. It's because you kind of, not that you stretch the fabric, but the fabric naturally kind of smooths itself out as you baste it to the paper pieces. And so I don't need to iron. And it's really weird. It really is really weird to not iron. You can iron to set the pieces once you start building like your multi-piece blocks. Uh, like be it like the, you know, the crazy stars and, and whatnot that you're making. You can start to press just to keep things flat. Uh, but it's not necessarily to release release the crinkle, which is interesting. Um But before you do anything with your fabric, definitely before you're cutting, please, please, please iron. Um, And I have two different irons, as I mentioned from the starching, because I'm crazy. I have a Rowenta Focus, which I absolutely adore and I love it. Um, And then I also have like a really cheap like $8 Black & Decker that I got um, at Walmart. And so it's really funny because those two irons are on opposite ends of the kind of retail cost spectrum. Uh, and I love them each for very different reasons. Uh, the Rowenta gets so wicked hot so quickly. It's amazing. Like when I need it, it's done. Like as soon as I plug it in, by the time I get up, walk to the other side um, of the room, and pull out my fabric and come back to the table like it's hot and ready for me to use and I love that um dislike of it it's got auto shut off and that's actually a wonderful safety feature I do not knock that safety feature at all however for those of us who sometimes spend eight straight hours in their quilting studio to all of a sudden realize that their iron is stone cold because it turned off 15 minutes ago because after four, you know, after two hours it it shuts off and then you have to kind of restart it all over again. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt. And I've noticed also that I have to like unplug it, count to 30 and then plug it back in. I can't just like unplug and plug back in. So that is also a little bit of a bummer. Um, On the flip side, my Black & Decker, it gets hot. Not quite as hot as my Rowenta, but definitely hot enough to do all of the things that I need it to do. Um, And it does not have auto shut off. So I do tend to use that one more on my kind of marathon days. Uh, Downside to not having auto shut off, it doesn't have auto shut off. So sometimes your three-year-old comes running into the room and he's um, nude and 
you know, also covered in Cheez-It dust. And you kind of have to assess the situation and run out and deal with it. And then you get distracted. And then you realize at the end of the night that you've had an iron on next to fabrics all day. And that's not a great feeling um, because, you know, we like having roofs over our heads and we don't want to burn the house down. So that is something to think about with the iron. Uh, Look into a lot of different irons. There are some amazing steam irons out there. I have my eye on a a Laura Star that I want so badly, but I will not get it, at least not until we move to Kansas next year. Don't tell my husband. Um, But... Uh, just really keep some of that stuff in mind. And I just realized that I could go down a whole nother iron rabbit hole, but I will not do that to you guys this week because we are already running a little long on this episode, but I hope you don't mind because I had so much fun just chit-chatting. So thank you guys so much. And you have finished another episode of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. To catch up on today's episodes and all past episodes, head over to themodernquiltercircle.com slash podcast. And make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now stop scrolling and start sewing.